Thank you for joining us for today's show. You can follow us on Facebook or visit our website at BeatitudesChurch.org. Beatitudes Radio, empowering people to enrich society. Today's scripture verses are from the Old Testament Song of Solomon, chapter 1, 1 through 7. And they begin Pastor Tony's new sermon series, Does the Bible Do Sex? Poetic in nature, these verses, they evoke love and sensuality and are a collection of poems spoken alternately between a man and a woman. The Song of Songs, which is Solomon's. The bride confesses her love. She, let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, for your love is better than wine. Your anointing oils are fragrant. Your name is oil poured out. Therefore, virgins, love you. Draw me after you. Let us run. The king has brought me into his chambers. Others, we will exalt and rejoice in you. We will extol your love more than wine. Rightly, they do love you. She, I am very dark, but lovely. O daughters of Jerusalem, like the tents of Kedar, like the curtains of Solomon, do not gaze at me because I am dark, because the sun has looked upon me. My mother's sons were angry with me. They made me keeper of the vineyards, but my own vineyard I have not kept. Tell me, you whom my soul loves, where your pasture, your flock, where you make it lie down at noon. For why should I be like one who veils herself beside the flocks of your companions? Now, according to the Bible, what do you think? That sex was primarily meant for reproduction or for pleasure? S. E X. Growing up, I wasn't even allowed to say that word. The most I could do is spell it. S-E-X. In fact, now when I look back at my childhood, my growing up years, I realize that I received more negative messages about sex than I did any positive messages about it. One of the key messages that I was taught by my parents, my church, and even the private school that I attended was wait. Wait. Wait until you get married. And what that meant in this waiting period was from the time of puberty to the time that I got married, I was not supposed to do anything sexually 
with another person. Full stop. That was it. No questions asked. The other thing that I was told was that self-pleasure or masturbation was a sin. So I had to wait until I got married, and in the meantime, I could not pleasure myself. And then the other, question, the other message I received was that it was private. I had private parts. And that alone taught me something. That frame of mind, just those words, these were parts. My private parts. I was supposed to keep to myself. And not only that, but because sex was private, I couldn't talk about it with other people. It was one of those subjects that I quickly learned as a child, you just didn't broach. It was kept silent. And the last thing you wanted to do was to preach about sex. And yet here I am, rebel at heart. The other thing that I learned growing up was that there were going to be some really strong emotions around sex. Remember again those rules, you had to wait and you could not pleasure yourself if you violated either one of those. Because the subject was private, you probably wouldn't tell anyone. So you carried inside of yourself a great deal of guilt and shame. And it literally created this feeling of almost being bipolar, this feeling of like on the one side was pleasure, and on the other side was this guilt and shame. The other thing that I found alarming during this period of time was that these urges, these desires that I had, they weren't pure. They had to be tamed. It was almost like this wild beast inside of me that I, I had to keep chained up or in its cage, and if I let it go, oh God, beware. Unfortunately, that message was not only taught when I was a child, but it continues to be taught to more and more young people. As children move from public schools into private schools, those that lean toward a more conservative bent of Christianity, they often teach what author and professor of religion at Boston University said in her book, Jennifer Nust said the following. Now imagine as a boy, as a young boy, hearing this. Boys cannot possibly control their animalistic impulses. <laughs> animalistic impulses. 
Nothing pure about that. Boys cannot possibly control their animalistic impulses without, number one, the assistance of God, number two, strong parenting, and number three, a godly girl. Now again, I was fortunate growing up a boy because while I had these urges that I was told were animal-like, I didn't have the pressure or the stigma that came upon young girls. And as a father of two girls, I understand this. She says in her book, this is what young girls experience. Since girls are responsible for monitoring both their own desires and those of the boys who long to touch them, parents must supervise their girls closely, ensuring that girls' bodies and minds remain pure for their future husbands. So that's the situation I found myself in. I had these animalistic desires, and through the help of God, my parents, and hopefully the right girl to date, I could somehow keep them at bay. I might even be able to tame them. Well, if I ever questioned those ideas that were taught to me, they were reinforced with two words, God's will. The reason why I was taught what I was was because these individuals truly believed this was God's will. And they went to the Bible to prove that. In Genesis there is the story of the creation of humankind, and it starts with Adam and Eve. I was taught, and many people are continue to be taught, that that was the ideal. That the ideal is a man and a woman, and only are they to be intimate in marriage. And the text that were used to support that was Genesis 2.25, where it says that after Adam and Eve were created, the Adam, the man, and his wife were both naked, and they were not ashamed. Then the story goes that they ate of a tree, a piece of fruit from that tree, and then it says in Genesis chapter 3, verse 7, the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked. So apparently, if you want to take it literally, they were naked, did not know it, ate of the fruit, their eyes are open, and now they look at each other and go, oh, hey, we're naked. Genesis 3.10, it says, when God went to the man, the man said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, 
So I hid myself. And I realized that the emotions and the shame that I experienced as a young person had their roots in this story that nakedness is shame. And I wasn't the only one who felt this way. Early church fathers, especially a man by the name of Augustine, he said that sex in the Garden of Eden was a natural occurrence. It was something like walking, just something you did, part of being a human. But once they ate of that piece of fruit, they acquired the ability to lust. And that is what they saw as being sinful. Those desires are seen as sinful. No wonder I was taught they were animalistic. And then if you were raised, and God forbid you were abused or assaulted sexually, all those emotions of shame and guilt and confusion, all those emotions almost were like they were on steroids. So what is the answer? I don't have one for everyone, but I will share with you what I wish I had been taught. First of all, I wish I had been taught that when it comes to the Bible and sex, it's not as simple as people want it to be. It's actually quite confusing. There is no one view of sex in the Bible. You know, this ideal story that I had heard in Genesis, once I begin to dig in and, and look at the scientific evidence for evolution, I realized that that was a, a wonderful story, but it wasn't factual. That human beings, the reason why we are sexual is because of the hundreds of thousands of years that preceded us. And sex is how we survive by reproducing, and that sex is pleasurable. There are some people say that we as Homo sapiens, our species has been around for a hundred thousand years. That means for a hundred thousand years, people have experienced pleasure when it comes to sex. But I wasn't taught that. So I would teach that. The other thing I would say is read the Bible. There are some people who look at progressive or alternative ways of doing Christianity, and they say, well, they don't believe in the Bible. 
I disagree. Read the Bible, and you will find some amazing stories out in there. Stories that we would like to sugarcoat, but stories, if we're honest with it, teach us something about human nature and human sexuality. Read the story about Ruth and her mother-in-law. Then read, keep reading and read the story of Ruth and Boaz. And understand as you read that story that throughout the Old Testament, words frequently have two meanings. The word hand can also be used for the male reproductive organ. Same with the foot. But we have a G-rated Bible. And we're not given those options to understand. But when you read Ruth and Boaz, all of a sudden, if you have that knowledge, you begin to realize, like, uh-oh. Now, what Ruth does is very, very bold and aggressive. Read the story very carefully of David and Jonathan and try to make sense. Try to make sense of when David said that the love that he had for Jonathan was greater than any love that he had for a woman. And then read about Solomon. How many wives and concubines he had. You see, the Bible paints a different picture of human sexuality than what I grew up with. And then there's that book that Janelle read from. In fact, just like myself, I wasn't exposed to it a lot. And the church fathers were very, very careful encouraging anyone to read it. It says the following, Origen, who is an ancient Christian theologian, said the following, For this reason, I give warning and advice to everyone who is not yet free of the vexations of the flesh and blood, and who is not withdrawn from desire for corporeal nature, that he completely abstain from reading this book. And what is that book? It's the book of Song of Songs, or the Song of Solomon. So it was very easy for the early church fathers to say the book was about the love of the church for Jesus, or our love for God. Now again, it's written as a poem, so it has that freedom to be taken and have a wide variety of meanings. But let's just be honest with the text. And if you know the original language, if you have that 
Or if you have a book that tells you about it, you read Song of Songs, and no wonder Origen said, don't read it. Because it seems to allow for a wide expression of sexuality that is not limited to marriage or between a man and a woman. And so that's the first thing I would do, is I would teach people the Bible is not as simple as it is taught to be. Number two, I would encourage people to understand the power of intimacy. Intimacy for oneself and intimacy for another human being. Normally, when we use the word intimate, we tend to think of intimate as having sex with another person. But the reality is there are a wide variety of ways in which two people can experience different degrees of intimacy. And one is not better than the other. And we need to learn to be intimate with ourselves. To find pleasure, both sexual and otherwise, with ourselves. We have a nice word for it today. It's called self-care. And then the third thing I would teach individuals about human sexuality is acceptance. First and foremost, accept yourself. Accept your desires, your urges, now, that doesn't mean you have to act on all of them. It's not a free-for-all. But the feelings that we have sexually, they are natural. Just because some of your urges and impulses may be different than others, that doesn't make you not normal. So to accept oneself, and once you learn to accept yourself, it becomes a lot easier to accept other people's expression and desires when it comes to sexuality. It's time that we rise up and offer an alternative voice. I was asked, why, Tony, are you going to talk about sex? Why are you going to do a worship series on sex? And I said, because I want people to realize that there's another way to look at it. I'm not saying that I'm right and they're wrong. All I'm saying is this is another option that is available.
to think about, to ponder. So no matter where you stand, do yourself a favor and a favor for those that you love. Accept who you are. Thank you for joining us for today's show. You can help us to continue this program by making your donations at BeatitudesChurch.org backslash online dash giving. Beatitudes Radio, empowering people to enrich society.